0: The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Thanks, everyone, for coming today. Good to have you for another week here at the Forum, week two of our, our Insider Information series. Uh, now, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Michael Hyatt uh, here. He's a former CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, and, and he himself has written several books, including uh, a New York Times bestseller called Platform, Get Yourself Noticed in a Noisy World. Uh, and so one of the things he's known for uh, these days is he spends a lot of time blogging and public speaking, and uh, and his web page uh, that he has here, that he blogs on, uh, has this opening line. He says, if you're like most of my readers, you're a successful high achiever. You're committed to winning at work, and equally important, succeeding at life. You strive to grow, get better, and reach your potential. You want to have a lasting impact on your world. Uh, Now, part of me, uh, I guess, viscerally recedes, uh, recoils from the sort of the -the over-the-top upbeat attitude that he sort of has there. But there is something in that that's appealing to me still. Uh, You know, I would still like success. Uh, I would still like to do well. I'd like to grow, to to sort of get better, to make a lasting impact. There's there's resonance there. Uh, And I've had a look through his webpage, and he actually has a a lot of helpful things to say about uh, about leadership and about productivity, uh, those sorts of things. And the other day, he posted an article, and he said that he recently read a blog post about how to give advice. And it had some good points, but it didn't say anything about the fact that people who give advice really should know what they're talking about. And he said, I don't know about you, but I get advice from people all the time, and some of it's good, but some of it's terrible. And so here's my rule of thumb, and it never fails me. Never take advice from people who aren't getting the results you want to experience. If you don't like what you see in the life of the messenger, it's usually best to ignore the message. And I thought, you know, there's some wisdom here uh, and, and it's not rocket science. We can see this, applica- this principle uh, being applied just today. We could sort of do a quick show of hands and say, you know, if you wanted some pet health advice, would you uh, go to the Bondi vet or would you go and see uh, Bart Jansen who, who became famous or infamous a little bit earlier in the year uh, when his YouTube video went viral about how he turned his deceased cat into a drone. Or, I mean, if you wanted some tech advice, would you go to uh, the Genius Bar? uh, Or would you come here to City Bible Forum and see our very own Al Stewart? Uh, I know which one I would prefer. Um, I'd say that if he was here as well, just, you know. (laughs) Or if you wanted financial advice, you know, would you go and see uh, Glenn Stevens, uh, Governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia? Or would you see Chopper Reed? Of course, with Sydney property prices the way they are, if I want to get into the market, maybe Chopper Reed's my only hope. Uh, but generally, there's a good chance that if someone's advice is going to land you in prison, it's probably not the best advice to be following. So you know, if you wanted to succeed at life, who are you going to take advice from? That's, that's the question. Because it's probably not going to be someone who's the leader of a cult, uh, who has a message that's uh, at odds with the mainstream of society, Someone who's been thrown in prison for actually living out the message that he's you know, teaching. Someone who even looks like they might die in prison uh, for holding on to their beliefs. But that's the situation that Paul, who wrote the letter that we're looking at today, is in. Uh, and in the passage today, he, he's actually got some advice, uh, or a command to the people who he's writing to. Um, and I think it's actually advice that's just as relevant for today. It's a perspective but as we'll read through the letter it allows him to uh, rejoice even in the midst of a life that looks like uh, it's fallen apart and hit rock bottom and so we're going to look at this in three points today there on your outline uh, we'll see that Paul in prison uh, is making an impact we'll look at where Paul in prison ends and we'll look at uh, the advice to follow from Paul in prison uh, but before we get stuck into those points, just a, a couple of things to note by way of orientation in, in case uh, you're new uh, or in case you're visiting or, or you missed last week. Um, this couple of months in the forum, we're looking at a, a part of the Bible called Philippians. Uh, so it's a letter written by this man called Paul to a group of Christians uh, in the city of Philippi. Uh, there it is just on the, on the south coast of Greece there. There's some of the ruins of ancient Philippi, which, were, which Paul was writing to. Uh, And so it's also worth noting that we mentioned there it's from one Christian to a group of Christians. So so one person who follows Jesus to a group of people who follows Jesus. So if if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, welcome. We're really glad to have you along. Uh, Maybe a helpful way to approach this is to think of this as a chance to get inside the head of a Christian and to kind of see how, how someone like Paul, who follows Jesus views the world uh, differently and maybe think about how that's different to your own perspective. Uh, It's probably also worth my while saying that this is actually a big passage and and I can't really address everything in the talk um, but please feel free to to raise questions about some of the verses in Question Time uh, if we didn't get a chance to focus on them in the talk. Uh, Now one of the big ideas that Paul brought up last week uh, and he's building on is this idea that Christians, followers of Jesus, they're part of the fellowship of the gospel. Uh, It's a shorthand way of saying that Christians are people who live by and promote the message that that Jesus died in our place for our wrongdoing so that we could be forgiven. And today we're seeing that 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 message, that message of Jesus, changes the way that you view the world. It changes how you view success and it even changes the way that you can see death. I started talking about how Paul doesn't really look like the sort of person that you should be taking advice from uh, about how to live well or how to succeed at life, uh, because he's in prison. But Paul wants his readers to know, well, the message of Jesus, it hasn't failed. The message of Jesus hasn't failed. And he he gives a couple of reasons for this. Uh, So point one, Paul can see that him being in prison is making an impact. Uh, So we'll have a look here uh, just at verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Uh, Now I suspect that Paul knows his situation makes things look a little bit suspect. Uh, like this message that he is promoting and telling others to live by, has failed. But Paul gives two pieces of information here, two pieces of evidence to show that being in prison hasn't stopped the message of Jesus. Uh, The first reason there is Paul says, I'm in prison because I follow Jesus. Now, there's plenty of reasons people could end up in prison, you know, theft or or murder or or being way over your head in debt. But here's a person who hasn't done anything like that. He's not in prison because he's been violent. He's in prison because he says, I follow Jesus. Paul says, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Now, that's not nothing, especially in ancient Rome. In ancient Rome, the, the, the line of the Roman Empire was Caesar is lord and saviour he's the one who rules over everything and he's the one who's brought the peace of the roman empire and so for paul to say no no jesus is lord and saviour that's actually quite a a, a countercultural message in some ways it's not surprising that it's ended him in prison but those who are responsible for guarding him were hearing he's here because he follows jesus And so Paul, he recognises that actually being in prison has meant that even people at the very heart of the Roman imperial machine, they knew that his imprisonment was because he followed Jesus. The message of Jesus is advancing. It's being heard by more and more people. But there's a second piece of evidence there as well. There in verse 14, he says, well, the gospel advances because most of the brothers and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I mean, that seems reasonably clear, doesn't it? You've, Paul's in prison and, and people, instead of being quieter about it, have actually been more willing to speak about Jesus. The message is ringing out louder. But there might still be a bit of a disconnect there for you, um, you know, especially if you're not someone who follows Jesus. Uh, you might not realise it, but saying, I follow Jesus or, or I act a certain way because I follow Jesus uh, is actually quite scary. Um, I mean, for the Philippians, we can see why it's scary. (laughs) There are these definite consequences. I mean, if Paul, the great preacher of the message of Jesus, can end up in prison, well, that could happen to me as well. There's every chance that I could end up in prison. So, I mean, it's far safer to keep quiet. It's far safer to just go with the flow, to not rock the boat and to not talk about Jesus. But that doesn't seem to be what happened, does it? Paul says that the brother and sister's Well, they were more willing to speak the word, to speak that message of Jesus. It's like the whole thing, the whole situation that's been, you know, architected and orchestrated here, it's just been flipped on its head. It's like that moment in, you know, in a a movie where everything seems to be going one character's way and then suddenly it's flipped and you realise, oh my goodness, this has been part of the plan the whole time. Kind of like in... um, in the dark Knight, right you know the joker he gets thrown in prison everything seems to be going batman's way until that moment when you realize this is exactly what the joker planned all along you know being in prison it actually furthered his his goals his mission Uh, now i do realize that this analogy means that either paul or god uh is the joker but you know you get what i mean Because for Christians like Paul, the message that Jesus died to forgive sins, that's central to who we are. It's a matter of life and death for us. And it's a matter of life and death for everyone around us. And and Paul says, you know, actually, me being here means that message keeps ringing out. People keep hearing about Jesus. The people who are guarding me have heard about Jesus. And other Christians are more keen to speak about Jesus. Me being in prison... Not a failure. Massive success. Paul says in verse 18, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The advance of the gospel, it causes Paul to rejoice. The message of Jesus hasn't failed, it keeps ringing out. But also, point two, Paul knows where his prison sentence ends. Have a look there at verse, uh, the second part of verse 18. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I have a question. How, how would you know if God was on your side? Or, or maybe a slightly scarier version of that question. How would you know if God was against you? I mean, I guess if you don't think about it too much, it's easy to think something like, well, you know, if people who are doing pretty well in life uh, probably have God on their side. You know, if they've got dream home if they've got the nice job the big family lots of cash plenty of respect you know people like that they, they seem to have god on their side somehow on the other hand if someone claimed that they had a word from god and was speaking on god's behalf and they got struck by a bolt of lightning you'd be thinking you know i'm not convinced that god is on your side you and god on the same page mm, not so much so it would be easy to look at someone in a prison cell who's been saying, I- I'm speaking this message from God, and think, are you really speaking for God? I mean, this is a pretty shameful place to be. This is a bit of a fail. Surely, surely if God was on your side, you could be doing a bit better than this. It looks like another strike against living for the message of Jesus. But Paul is adamant, this is the wrong way to look at things. Paul says... I expect and hope that I will not be ashamed. It'd be easy to think he's locked away in prison, that here I am heading towards this end of shame and defeat. But Paul says, no, this imprisonment doesn't end in my shame and defeat. It will end in my deliverance or or my salvation. It's the same word in the original language. See, I think Paul is so convinced of the message of Jesus He's so convinced it's true, he's able to rejoice even though he's in prison. It says, the evidence that God is on my side, it's in the end game. So the message of Jesus. It says, all people everywhere are sinners. It's true of me and of you. We're all sinners and we stand facing God's anger. But Jesus died in our place to take the punishment we deserve. Now, now if your worldview says we're born live a few years have a few laughs and then we die and that's it then then you can see why paul in his situation is really just not worth listening to but the message of jesus says actually jesus didn't stay dead god brought him back to life and to eternal life and if you trust in jesus then then you have eternal life as well eternal life with god in heaven, And so the message of Jesus, it, it pans back our view of the world and says, life is so much bigger than just what happens between birth and death. The message of Jesus says there is eternity to consider. And it, it's that eternal perspective that the message of Jesus gives to life that we live that shapes how Paul views the world. And it shapes his attitude to being in prison. So now he actually views his imprisonment as well as his life and even death in light of that message. He can even say uh, in verse 23, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Uh, I don't know when you last caught a Sydney ferry, uh, but when I do, one of the things that always fascinates me is watching the deckhands uh, sort of tie the ship to the dock uh, and then untie it again and, and push off. Um, and and that, that's kind of the idea that Paul is getting at in that word depart. It, the word in the original language, it was kind of used around the docks. It, it basically meant to untie the moorings and push off from the dock. It was that last step that was necessary to take before you moved on to your next destination. Paul's desire is to, you know, unloose the moorings, to to go and be with Christ where he knows he belongs and where he knows he's going. When you think about what we know about Paul's situation, well, it's not that surprising that that's what he would want. In another part of the Bible, Paul's described what uh, following Jesus was like. He said it's involved being whipped, beaten, stoned, like with stones, not, you know... (laughs) Shipwrecked, living a life of danger, toil, hardship, often hungry and thirsty. It's really not that surprising that Paul desired to depart and be with Christ. But despite his desire, he said, actually, I'm committed to being here to help you keep going. He's so committed to the message of Jesus going out, to seeing people live that message out in their lives, that he's going to keep going to encourage them to keep going. So you can see how information, it changes how you view the world. Uh, when I was uh, at university and I, and I did a, a science degree for my undergrad, uh, I had to do a, an assignment on spiders for an ecology subject. And so it, it meant I had to go around the campus and and find spiders and measure their webs. And one of the things that doing that assignment taught me is that spiders are Everywhere, you know. I they assigned the assignment to us, and I thought, there's spiders nowhere. How am I going to count all these spiders that they expect me to do? And once I started looking, I thought they're everywhere. And now I see them everywhere. I mean, frankly, I'm surprised anyone's sitting in this part of the church. But, uh, but no, I'm just kidding. There's no spiders there. Um, but yeah, it changes the way that you see the world. Or uh, at one time, a friend of mine who, who came from the country, she said, you know, you people who are from Sydney, you have this phrase that you use all the time. In, in conversation, you would just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, what? No, no, we don't say that. And I stopped and thought about it and realised I say it all the time. I don't know if you've noticed that people from Sydney do that. You might even be thinking... Is that true, Lachlan? Do they really do that? And yeah, 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 we do all the time. It just slips right into conversation. You don't even notice it. And suddenly when it's pointed out, you just, you see the world differently. And that's kind of what has happened for Paul with the gospel. The eternal perspective that the gospel brings has changed the way that he views life. If You're persuaded that the world is limited to what happens between birth And death, then Paul's situation looks ridiculous. It looks like a failure. Why would you listen to this Joker? But if you've got an eternal perspective and it's all about following Jesus and holding on to that message, well then actually Paul can say, No, no, this is success. This is where we are meant to be going. So Paul wants his partners to know that this message of the gospel it hasn't failed. It's still getting out into the world. Being in prison hasn't stopped it. And actually, the salvation that we have is a certainty, no matter what things look like now. And so, because we know that this message is solid, we can listen to Paul's advice with confidence. Paul says, you know, life might seem pretty rough, but keep going. Keep on going. He says there in verse 27, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here, that I still have. It's that The message of the gospel, it impacts the way that Christians relate to each other and keep going. Uh, we've heard about some of the pictures uh, that Paul uses in his letters, and uh, his letter here, and, and this is kind of the last big one for the passage today, and that's of a Roman military unit. Now, sometimes military language can seem hostile and aggressive, but I don't think that's the flavour that Paul's really going for here because, I mean, after all, it's shaped by a life worthy of the gospel. I think what he's going for is the idea of of unity, of working together like a Roman military unit had to. Except instead of fighting for Rome, they're contending for the message of Jesus and, and working together as a unit to keep going, to keep holding on to the gospel and keep holding out that message of Jesus. So Paul exhorts them, stand firm, strive together, don't fear. And Paul, he wants to hear that they're striving, they're standing firm in the gospel, that no matter what opposition they're facing, they're striving together, side by side, with each other for the gospel. And, you know, it could be a scary sight for the Philippian Christians, uh, surrounded by people who oppose them knowing they could end up in prison that they could suffer for persistently follow, uh, following Jesus but Paul says don't be afraid and actually he says as you work together as a unit that's a sign for you to remember that you will be saved see just like Paul was going to be saved by God he knew his prison sentence wasn't going to end in his defeat and end and, and that's the it He says, just like that, God will save you as well. And as you guys work together, that's a sign to remember that fact. And in some ways, things aren't that different for Christians today. Uh, If you take the message of Jesus seriously, uh, you're a bit of a weirdo. You're out of step with the way that the world around you thinks. The world around us uh, doesn't share our beliefs and they may laugh They might jeer. They might pressure us to shift from the solid ground of the message of Jesus, to stop following him. Now, we might not be at the point where we're being thrown in prison for following Jesus or or for sharing the message of Jesus, but there can still be consequences. It might mean things get awkward in your workplace or, or that you don't get ahead as fast as you otherwise might. I know of people in this city who've lost jobs because they've held on to the gospel message and refused to compromise on their actions. It might mean that friends or family distance themselves from you or worse, you know, have friends who have been disowned by their families because they follow Jesus. When stuff like that does happen, it may be hard and it may be unpleasant, but but if we're like Paul, well we can actually rejoice if the message of Jesus is being heard. Following Jesus can be really hard. We, we can be made to feel ashamed and foolish by people around us because we refuse to keep our head uh, down and keep saying, no, following Jesus is important. But if, if we trust Jesus, if we follow Jesus, well, then we know that because of his death and resurrection, our sin has been dealt with. whatever situation we're in, whatever we face, the end point isn't shame and defeat. The end point is life with Jesus in heaven. Paul's talking mostly about suffering here, but it has implications for other difficulties we face as well. Uh, Sickness, relational tension, and all the frustrations of this life. The end point is never shame and defeat, but life with Jesus. So be encouraged. Be encouraged, especially if you're doing it tough at the moment, at work or at home, uh, and particularly if you're doing it tough because you follow Jesus. Let me encourage you. God knows. God cares. He cared enough to send Jesus to die for you. And if you follow him, then the end is never shame and defeat. The end must be victory and life with Jesus in heaven. But I also want to encourage you, don't go it alone. Uh, we saw in last week's passage about the depth of the relationship that Paul has with these gospel partners of his in, in Philippi. Uh, and today we've heard that, that military uh, military unit image, that idea of working together. Uh, so I want to encourage you, you know, get alongside other followers of Jesus uh, and keep encouraging each other and being encouraged yourself uh, as you keep trying to follow him. One of the things that City Bible Forum does uh, is to run and coordinate Bible study groups and and prayer groups uh, of Christians who meet at regular intervals to pray for each other and to spur each other on. And so if you're interested in finding out more about one of those, uh, we do have that... Uh, That sheet inside the the pamphlet that Caro mentioned before. If you're interested in finding out more, you're not necessarily signing up and signing your life away, uh, but you might like to write your name down and and myself or or one of the other staff from City Bible Forum will will give you a call and have a chat about what you are hoping to, to get involved in. There may well be costs to following Jesus. We may lose face or promotions or clients or jobs. We may be shamed, mocked, teased, Or worse but we've been reminded in this passage that even if that's true if we follow jesus like paul we have the ability to rejoice to rejoice that the message of jesus is getting out and people have the chance to hear about him and what he's done and we can rejoice in the salvation that we know is ours in jesus Yeah, that's a really good question. So just for the just for the recording. So the question was around verse 15 and 17, and the people who are preaching out of envy and rivalry. Uh, what's going on there, and how can they be doing that? So exactly what that looked like? Uh, yeah, good question. It's really hard to know because Paul doesn't actually go into it in detail. Um, I think the the implication from the passage is they they're teaching the gospel message. They they're not teaching. Uh, uh, a false message about Jesus. Uh, whenever that happens in other letters, Paul is quick to clamp down on it and say, that's not right. So they seem to be actually teaching the message of Jesus uh, faithfully in that sense. Uh, yet there seems to be something about the way they do that where it's they're not actually as interested in the people they're serving. They're more interested about building themselves up. Uh, now, we don't know exactly what that looks like, um, but I, I think the, the implication is Paul can say, actually, if the main game, Is the the message of Jesus getting out? It's still good that the message of Jesus is getting out. Uh, These people can keep on doing that. But it's interesting that as you go through, he doesn't actually uh, commend that approach. And in fact, he steers the Philippians away from it. Uh, So we've even seen in today's passage, Paul says, you know, he longs to be with Christ, but actually it's more necessary that I stay in the body for your sake. So he's actually invested in the Philippians and them growing and advancing. Uh, as we keep working through the letter, as well, we'll see uh, in a couple of weeks the examples of Timothy uh, and Epaphroditus. And again, these are people who Paul says, you know, they they care about you and they care about uh, about the message of Jesus. And so the difference seems to be um, one group is actually is preaching the message of Jesus, and and that's a good thing. People are still hearing about Jesus and having the chance to be saved. But actually, their interests. Are a bit more selfish, and that's not something he wants the Philippians to emulate. So I think that's that's the difference there, um, as far as we can tell from the passage. Yeah, I'm just wondering how how those people were in trouble. Before. Yeah, again, it's a tricky one because he doesn't really articulate it clearly. So is it, you know, is it that they've, um, you know, they've sort of set up their own, they've got their own sort of churches that are a little bit different to him, and, and they're sort of thinking, oh, if I keep preaching more and more, it's just going to make life difficult for Paul or something. Not sure. Yeah, he doesn't actually spell it out. There seems to be some way in which they're thinking, oh, I can, in me doing this, I'll make life harder for Paul. Um, He doesn't spell it out. But it does seem to, that does seem to be the intent. Um, It's interesting that even though their intent is to make life difficult for Paul, he actually is still able to say... Well, it's good that they're actually preaching the message about Jesus. He doesn't, uh, you know, he actually praises them for that. uh, And he actually then encourages the Philippians, though, but actually do life better yourselves. He says actually love others and be other person-centred, not selfish. So he seems to sort of teach against it in in that way. And that seems to be much more the, the emphasis that Paul has. He's not saying, look at everything that's wrong about what they're doing here. He says, yeah, this isn't great. Instead, do this. This is the way to live. If you keep living this way, that's actually going to help you. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.